are you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War Report, Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night war, war Room, room. With, your host, with your host, C. Doe. It's your boy, C. The Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike. G. G. Get your weight up. Strength and conditioning. Development. Ike Jones. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you ready? Because we are now locked and loaded for the Wednesday Night War Room. Let's go! Let's go ahead and, and, and we can be brief here, but keeping in touch with a former Auburn Tiger, Demetrius Davis, who entered the portal not long ago, announced this week that he is transferring to... Alabama State right down the road from Auburn. He will be a Hornet and will likely be their quarterback for the future. Quick thoughts. I'll start with you, Mike G. How you feel? Uh, all right. So I was I was the Demetrius Davis guy when he got recruited. I had high hopes for him here. Um, I wish him well. I hope that he does well at this stop. Um, I hope that it's this is a guaranteed start for him because I would like to see him in action. We didn't see him take a single snap here at Auburn. Uh, so I would like to see him take a snap somewhere. Um, but, you know, if he leaves and does well, this is not one I'm going to be sour about, guys. Um, ultimately, Demetrius had some things going on uh, that kept him off the field here. Um, you know, both playing-wise and... Uh, primarily other stuff, as far as I understand. So, uh, you know, when these guys make these moves, you hope that it works out for them. You hope you hope that it works out for them. He's he's not in the SEC, so go nuts, young man. Score all the points, win all the conference awards, win every conference championship. I'm happy. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he uh, that he has made the decision early to move on, so he can have a chance to start someplace in the fall. Okay. Before we before we get to B. Will and Ike's thoughts, I want to get some of these uh, comments here. <laughs> Holman says baseball is fire if you play baseball fan- fantasy. Okay. Yeah. I used to, you know, I used to be, I used to really be into the kind of the all star. You know, back in the day when you know Cass was juiced up and like hitting home runs every <laughs> other pitch when baseball was like at its best. Those were the fun times for me, but ever yeah. since they cracked down on it, I was. Uh, yeah. But yeah. if you oh, are playing fantasy, I hope you are doing it on Prize Picks. Just you know, what I'm saying. I'm yeah, just, uh, listen, uh, the Prize Picks. Unpopular that. opinion, or maybe a popular opinion. I don't know. Um, the steroid era saved baseball. For, oh, that's a fact. The steroid Man, era. I, I don't care what saved, anybody feels about that. Saved that's baseball. I have. I had never been so engaged in baseball. And then when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were hitting all them damn home runs. You're not wrong. Barry Bonds, like, come on, man. Like, I was I was not into baseball, but I was watching them dudes to see. It was exciting. Baseball is can be can be slow. You can get up, go get a hot dog, do your taxes, come back, and not have missed any game action at all. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, it is uh I mean, it's a, called America's pastime for a reason because you sure as hell will pass some time watching it. 
Listen, um, I actually enjoy so of the live sporting events that I go to, baseball, baseball is the is one different. that I enjoy going to most. Right? Really? It's, it's least, different. It's, it's different cool. when you because it's different it's, when you go there so versus chill. on TV. Yeah. But it's so chill. Like it's like it's every other game is so like I need to be able to focus to watch a football game and a basketball game. Right. Like you don't yeah, have right. to focus. There's like you can be distracted in a baseball stadium and still enjoy the game with all the other people around there. Like baseball mm-hmm. is one of the few games that is better live yes. to me. I hear that about hockey a lot, even though I know. Yeah, look, hockey game. definitely, definitely hockey. But there's yeah. a lot of action in hockey. I, I there mean, is. I don't. Man, that's what I'm I don't surprised know. about hockey, but. Yeah, there's a lot of action in hockey. I, I don't feel the same way about baseball. I agree to disagree on that one. I, I, I agree. Listen, I, I grew up playing baseball. It's the most fun you can have that you will also be just bored out of your mind watching it. It's okay. It's so enough. boring to that's watch. Why, that's why I don't like watching it on TV. It's, like, there's literally nothing to watch. Like, it's... The game, the game is... The game is is so pure. It's a very pure game, and in a lot of ways, right. it's very uh, cookie cutter. Like if I if I want to show you the top ten baseball plays today, they will look very similar to the top ten baseball plays in three months from now. Um, in two weeks after that, it's going to be some awesome catches. The ball went here. The third base made a play there. The the outfielder came up and made a caught it before he hit a short hop. It's going to be kind of very, very similar. And I think that's what's boring about baseball. You're not going to see anything terribly unique. If I show you the top 10 dunks from this year in the NBA, they're going to be different than the top 10 dunks from last year. They're, there's going to be, I can show you one dunk from this year. You're going to be like, oh my God, that was amazing. John Morant did some things this year I've never seen before. How often in baseball do we see things physically being done that have never been seen done before? And that's hard that it doesn't translate to other sports that way. You know what I'm saying? But playing it, there's nothing more pure than just grabbing a glove and going out and just throwing a ball and catching it, man. It's pure. It's that's so part pure. Is fun. That's it's part so is pure. fun. That's so part pure. is fun. But watching it, watching it, yeah. Corey Weber, basketball question. Oh, the dude from, is that the dude from Tennessee? Julian Phillips. It's No, it's the other guy that um, was uh, supposed to be going to LSU, I think, with um, Treor. Gotcha. And he's trying to recruit him over. Oof. Um, oh, we BHH know about is this? the good guy from Tennessee. Sorry, Julian Phillips. That's who I thought you were asking about. So yeah, BHH, BHH is the guy. Yeah, I thought Tennessee that was the guy from Tennessee. Yeah, it okay. is. Um, Huntley uh, Hartwell. Huntley Huntley Hartwell. Yeah, Hartwell. something like that. Something yeah. Like so, that. Um, so the can we take Broom Hartwell, Huntley Hartwell, and Phillips? Technically, know. no. We only have two scholarships available right now, but. Listen, I already said that I expect two guys to leave. Um, so two of the three, yes, we can. And the ones that I think we are most likely to get are Broom and Huntley Hartwell. Phillips, I think, is getting courted by the um, G League right now. So it's it's a, I don't, people don't know whether or not he's going to actually come to college. If he goes to college, it's going to be one of those situations like it was with the kid that went to the Rockets, whose name is escaping me right now. It's either G Green. League or Auburn. Yeah, Green. Green. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be one of those situations where either he's coming to Auburn or he's going to the G League. Um, so we'll see. Typically, when the when the G League, when you start hearing the G League, uh, it's a, it's almost a given they're going that way. So it would be interesting to see. Uh, Austin Berryhill, baseball is like NASCAR. If you don't go to it, you want to you won't enjoy it as much. Yeah, yeah. I've never uh, been to a NASCAR race, so I my dad uh, is really heavy into NASCAR though. Mm, yeah, I would agree with that. That's that sentiment. Um, 
You know what? Like it's it's kind of one of those things. Like I would never watch a rodeo on TV, but I went to one one time, and I was like, "This is one of the most exciting events I've ever attended." It was awesome. Mm. They had a guy parachute into the stadium, and then a freak wind picked up and blew him into the parking lot, and he hit a fence. <laughs> and I was like, "This is the greatest start to any sporting event." I've ever watched. What it was in amazing. The Ricky Bobby is yeah, going yeah. on. It was amazing. <laughs> it was in Reno. It was in Reno, Nevada. I was on a work trip to Lake Tahoe, and I had a friend who lived in Reno. And he said, "Michael, will come get you and take you to the world's fourth largest outdoor rodeo." Uh, and yeah, I was, and they were they were roping calves, and I, my mind was blown. I was like, "How are they getting around the feet?" I don't understand. It was it was amazing. I enjoyed myself. Lots of beer. Uh, last point. The beer guy, we were sitting at the top. I've never seen so much beer sold so fast in my life. It was makes sense, it, yeah, like the beer dude was coming by with beer trays, and he could not get five rows up the steps before all his beer was going. And I was like, well, we're going to have to go down there and get some beer, man. This is, this is a bad seat for services. So, you know, go, <laughs> you know, get yourself a rodeo in in your lifetime. I, I, I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Sounds a very memorable but how descriptive you was by that entire event. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a, lot, a lot of memorable things happened. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, B, I, before we move on to kind of the main topic, any closing thoughts about Demetrius Davis transferring to, uh, to Alabama State? I mean, I'm, you know, best of luck to him. I'm, I am still, I hate that we didn't get to see what he could do. I just, I really wanted to see what this kid could do, man. And I think the coaching change probably sealed it for him. I mean, Mike has, has said it about there being a some some issues that weren't just purely football. They have something to do with it. But I'm, I think it's rough for any kid when you get told, hey, here's what's about to happen. I want you to come to my school. And then everything at that school changes. Who Who's there changes. What that person expects uh, changes. Who you're coming in there with changes. And I hate that he was here. And I, I don't want to say he wasted a year, but he really did waste a year because – not only did he not play, he did not develop because of the metaphorical doghouse he may have been in because of some maturity issues. So that's a, a wasted year for him, but hopefully it's one that makes him, if not a little more mature, maybe a little hungrier. So best of luck to him at Bama State. And hey, I guess if nothing else, we'll be able to take a trip up the road and see him if, if he ends up being just crazy electric and might, might burn a day to go see an Alabama State game for that matter. Yeah, wonder, sure. I wonder if we play, do we have Alabama State on the schedule again before he gets up out of there? Ooh. Huh. Oh, why are you asking the questions? Yeah, that's the one. That's the only know. question that's relevant for this right here for me is, yeah. will we finally see him in some game duty know. in Jordan, Jordan Hare, but with the other team's jersey on? Yeah. Love you, Demetrius. But if that happens, we waxing that ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. You're going down. It's going to be a long night. Yeah. No, no loyalty to you anymore, sir. Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Building Rapport, are going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Let's let's get on into some thoughts about what we can expect in year two mm-hmm. with, with Brian Harson. And kind of an interesting topic because we can kind of talk about what we've seen other coaches do uh, 
current SEC coaches, uh, how they fared in their second year. I have a graphic here to show you guys. And just, just as a discussion piece, let's look at what these coaches have done in year two. And it's believed that a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches typically make a jump, improve on their first year in year two. And this is pretty much true of almost every coach except one. Uh, of course, mm. we know what. You know what? I, I, I was made this, this graphic and I did not even notice who the oh one was that God. didn't. You didn't? Answer. I was no. waiting on B. I, that, this yo, was that, B's that, moment. This that, was his moment. This one isn't enough. Surprised. I know y'all aren't surprised. Can't oh, be surprised. Lord have I'm not mercy. Surprised. That negative one isn't red enough, right? <laughs> Oh my god. The only the only one oh, at one of the man. best resource Yo, schools in the conference. That at is least hilarious, the third best bro. the third best resource school in the conference and he managed to be the only one to win less games in year 2 of of, of every what what is this the last 10 years? How how many years is this? It's going back to 2008, uh, I guess mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I mean, there's some other people. Some of the worst teams, there's some though. other people who aren't in here that are no longer current coaches. Right? So they true. probably oh, did okay. just as. I mean, you you got you can name a lot of Andy. Like coaches. Jim McElwain is not in here. Freaking uh, right, right. what's your what's your dude's name? Uh, from South Carolina. Um, that was our D coordinator. Oh, Muschamp. Muschamp. Yeah, right. yeah. But yeah, just uh, current coaches though. Current. Yeah, right. Yeah, these right, are right. current coaches. These are current coaches. So, yeah, man. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but was old, old to be bro. mediocre and extremely well paid, man. What, what, a, what a lucky guy! <laughs> oh man! But Mark, we see Mark Stoops. Mm-hmm. He he won three more games. Kirby okay. Smart. I think a lot of people talk a lot about his second year. I didn't realize that was his second year. Then that mm-hmm. and you that was the year. Actually, that was the year that. Uh, we beat them and played them twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He the actually only one won... on here that's a little misleading is Lane Kiffin, I think. Well, here's what I want to say about anyone whose first year was in 2020. 2020, yeah. Right. Yeah. They, get a, they get a bit of a boost because yeah. they played more games the following Sam year. Pittman, so it's a bit misleading. Yeah. So if you're Eliah Drinkwitz, you basically did the same thing in year two that you did in year yeah. one. So yeah, but still... If you look at the records, like the biggest jumps came from some of the worst team, like the worst records. Yeah. Like, I sure. mean, uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, I know Pittman three and seven, right? He won five more games. That's still significant, but he had nowhere to go but up from there, right? Like, he'd have been hard yeah. pressed to do worse. You know what? Wouldn't Gus Malzahn have the big? No, no, no. He had the biggest year one from the previous year. Yeah, not the other way yeah, around. he that's had right. the biggest year one. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. You can argue that Gene Chizik. You can you can argue Gene Chizik had the biggest uh, drop. The yeah. biggest yeah, you know, the biggest yeah, increase sure. from year one to year two. Because he went was, from um, we were at eight and five the first year. What was Chris Ogeron's, Ogeron's uh, oh, drop? Year one to two. Or did he drop? No, he went up. Well, he went was, up. Was he, was, no, no, no. Wasn't he interim? And then, kind of like mis- first, yeah, he was kind of an interim. He was kind of an his interim. His first full year, though, was the national title year. And then, then the year after that was... No, his first he, full year was 18. That's because they had... Uh, what's his face already? Um, Burrow. Yeah, they had Burrow. And they beat us here at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they did an increase the next year. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So... Yeah. 
we we got Shane Beamer here, the year he had. The question is, guys, the question is looking at this and and, and something to make note because you know you, you, we we can see what coaches have done, but it's interesting to know that in our losses we were outscored by an average score of nine point six points a game. Just to give you an idea of how close those games were, and Auburn is expected to have again one of the toughest schedules in 2022 always so when you consider that in year two which is an important year for brian harson can auburn really improve and to what degree can auburn improve its record in 2022 i'll start with you b this is going to come down to surprise surprise the quarterback position something we all know we all knew we really don't have an idea of what the floor is of any of our quarterbacks. And that's the most important thing. What is the floor of any of our quarterbacks? Because we've seen how close we were to wins when we had a very low or shaky floor from even a quarterback. Um, Bo Nix had some peaks that we didn't think he could have after his first two years last year, but his floor continued to find a new bottom or a very low bottom at least. And that's what cost us games that were winnable games. And the same thing for TJ once he got in there. His floor was entirely too low. Misses that were were like, where, where were you throwing to? Um, overthrows and, and things didn't look good. There was a lack of consistency from that position. So the question becomes, do you believe that through the offseason of coaching, the leadership position that, that he's kind of taken upon himself and him really adhering to Brian Harson's philosophy and his program, how much do you believe T.J. Finley can improve? Or how much do you believe that Zach Calzada can improve his floor as well because he had some of the same issues? Accuracy at times where there wasn't uh, people in his face, where he wasn't being rushed, where there weren't people in his vicinity. I, I very much believe, based on the transformation of the team, of players like Bo Nix and Shedrick Jackson over the course of the season, that Brian Harson's and also I'm compiling in here some of the things that were said about Harson once he left. Again, it, it, this was so heavy on me when he was going through his little turmoil. Not one person said he's a bad coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. Not one. Mm-hmm. Nobody who was trying to come for his job said, man, he don't even know what he'd be doing. The OC be doing all the work. Nope, never. Nobody said anything like that. That leads me to believe, if I saw people getting better, he didn't have complete buy-in. And nobody has anything to say about his ability to coach that he can improve players' play if players are bought in and if players spend the time dedicated to getting better. I know that everybody's bought in now. I know that at the very least, T.J. Finley is taking on the responsibility of being committed to the extent that Brian Harson wants him to be. What we will see from Zach Calzada when fall camp starts, you know, yet to be seen. I know that Robbie Ashford is taking the challenge seriously as well. I believe that the floor will be raised for our quarterbacks. How much is the, the million-dollar question? Is it enough? Fortunately for us, we're going to see Sean Clifford when Penn State comes to town. Mm-hmm. Yes. We lost our Bo Nicks. They kept theirs. 
So <laughs> we have a very good chance of seeing a low floor game because that that game he played against us was the best game he played all year. For sure, and then yeah, Penn, factual, Penn State yeah. played some dog terrible offensive games for the rest throughout uh, the rest of the season, which is why they ended up with either four losses or five losses. I can't remember. Um, the floor, I do think the floor will raise. How much can it be raised by game one? Meaning, how much is the offseason, the spring camp, fall camp, how much is that going to raise TJ or Calzada's floor? And then, if you choose a guy at the start of the season, if he plays well enough to keep that job, how much does the continued play, the live-action reps, improve him further? I think probably most college players improve during the season more than the offseason. I think that's the case. That's what I've seen from watching football um, with, with good players and great players. They get better as, as the year goes on. The coaches learn them. They learn the coaches. They learn their, their, their uh, teammates. Everybody starts to build some trust and some fluidity, and then things get better. What will be the most telling thing about whether or not we improve drastically? I'm talking not just one or two more wins, but four or five more wins is did they choose the right person at the outset of the season and he got to be in there through that five-game stretch and we got it home? So, yeah, you got the cupcakes, you beat Penn State, and then you start racking up some meaningful Ws and you take your show on the road having steeled yourself in the easiest part of the schedule. That is the best-case scenario for us. But that's going to be up to TJ Finley and Zach Calzada, assuming that the coaches choose the right guy for you know, whatever's going on on the offensive line. Um, I think TJ probably has a head start as far as chemistry with the wide receivers. The wide receivers have some improve, improvements to do to make, but they really can't make it without live game reps. They can't. It's almost impossible because you're not going to get, you're going to be swapping out too much. Who's wide receiver number two for us? Three, four, five on the depth chart. We have no idea. We saw Xavion Capers uh, catch passes in the spring game. We haven't really seen him get a look his entire career at Auburn so far. Because that's unsettled. I, I still believe their floor can be raised, but they have a similar problem with the quarterback in that you have to be in there getting those snaps to get better. They have to settle on that rotation as early as possible. Give those quarterbacks, whoever is going to be, a chance to build that rapport <laughs> with those wide receivers. And then I, I think we're looking at a three-game improvement. Then, then we can look at nine wins. If... We are just marginally better. We're at least one game better this year. At least one game better, just being marginally better. And a lot of that is because everybody's not going to be as good as they were last year. Yeah, I know Lane Kiffin over there. That's fine. I- I'm not as sold on Lane Kiffin being a, a, a genius as everybody else is. We beat Lane Kiffin. It fluctuates. Teams get better. Teams get worse. I think we'll, we're seven wins at the worst, nine wins at the best. That's what I think we look like in 2022.